Hello there, and welcome to the latest episode of the SysTaker Snapshots podcast. Today, I'm your host, Colin Brown, and I'm joined by Will Pintar. Hello there. And Bob D. Hello there. Today, we're going to talk a bit about the Toronto System Open that happened over the weekend, and a little bit about the Sith Infiltrator preview that just dropped. We're going to start with the System Open series, and we're going to focus in on some of the lists from the uh, top 16. So, Bob, can you tell me what lists stand out to you from the top 16? Yeah, I was I was looking through and I saw a lot of dominance with generic pilots, which is a real change from first ed to see generics making a real impact at the top end of, of a big event. It's a change from before the points change as well in second edition. This is very different to what we saw before. Yeah, I kind of feel it's like that they the FFG's version of second edition is is finally happening. I mean, this was a 120 player event. And there was a lot of dominance at the top end of, of generic pilots. And in particular, the four Phantom, three with Duke, one with an optional crack shot. And, and that list, I think one of them was running crack shot, the other two weren't, finishing in, in 12th, 16th and 17th position. And that's an example of finding a really efficient ship that works well in numbers and taking as many of them as you can. And the Phantom obviously has got some some real surprises against stuff with lower initiative. It has the ability to manoeuvre around and, and outposition it using the barrel roll uh, after an uncloak and a probably a hard one. Against stuff with higher initiative, it's able to use the decloak to get into a nice blocking position after it decloaks, takes a turn, moves about, makes a barrel roll. And that sets up all sorts of, of good stuff. Nothing fancy with those phantoms other than the, the reposition at the start of the turn. But it's telling that, that three of those lists made the top 20. That, that's saying to me that that's a build that needs to be watched and, and one that you need to be ready for. It's got a decent amount of offense. Not that many Imperial ships with three, three red dice coming out the front together with the maneuverability. And the, uh, the stacked up Dukes as well. That really adds to the offense. Yeah, the, the Duke is, is mean. The Duke is really horrid. And if you've got three three Dukes coming at you, they're, they're in a real position to do a lot of damage to a lot of different ships. Anything with low agility, any big bases with one green dice are going to be absolutely soaking up fire. And they're, they're very good at manoeuvring into unexpected positions. Interesting to see them doing as well as they did uh, in Toronto and, and heartening for our mate Dan Slob to see phantoms doing so well yeah well they've done i said jerks uh, weren't seen before the points change but you've picked an example that proved me wrong because they were doing very <laughs> well beforehand so i think one question you say there's plus or minus a crack shot in there i've got to think now that they're popping up and doing well you don't bring the crack shot just for the mirror yeah in the uk i haven't i haven't come across that list yet I'm sure it'll be around. I'm sure people oh, yeah, will be flying sure. it. It's it's obviously good. Okay. Uh, will, what stood out to you? Well, first of all, the first placed bobber within that tournament was actually in 31st place. I just put wow. that out there right that now. That is surprising. 31st wow. place. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit gutted about that. I'm not going to lie. But there's some really interesting lists that stood out to me. Well, there's three in particular that, three that I've not really seen and I've wanted to fly myself. First one was Paul LaRue, who finished in the top eight. He had Null, Quick Draw, and Kylo Ren. So Quick Draw had Predator, Pattern Analyzer, 
Special Forces Gunner and Shield upgrade. Kylo Ren had hate, pattern analyzer and proton sort. I didn't manage to see a game with that, unfortunately, on the stream, but it was definitely a list I was looking at and I'd already built something very similar on my squad builder. Getting that on the table and seeing that finish in the top eight was good. Mark De Bruyne, he finished in the top four with Darth Vader with hate and fire control system and then Imdar test pilots and three of them. The Imdar is the cheapest generic phantom. Yeah. So he's got all the reposition together with Darth Vader. Yeah, so that was an interesting one to see there. But more importantly, Marcel, who we all know what he's doing, he finished the top four with Wedge, Proton Torps, and Corrin Horn with Crack Shot, Fire Control System, Proton Torps, R2 Astromech, and Cassian Andor with Tac Officer and Leia. So, yeah, bringing Corrin Horn into a top four is just, yeah. I mean, that that list sounds willfully bad. No, it's two double-modded Proton Torps on the opening engage, right? I think that's the strength of us. Essentially, that's what it is. But, you know, having Corrin Horn in a list, which we've not really seen finish anywhere inside, I wouldn't even say inside a top 32 somewhere, probably at a big tournament. Not that we've had many big tournaments, but no one's really been flying him. So it was really interesting to see him finish in the top four with that list. Say so he's no slouch, you know, Marcel. He's obviously a good a good player, but it was interesting for him to choose that when it's not massively a meta. It's not really a meta call. No, but he always brings oddball lists, I think. Like even when he was flying, say, triple jumps, first edition post-Deadeye nerf, he was bringing them without Atani and adaptability instead. And his lists always have slight quirks that make them quite interesting. And he's a good enough player to pull it off, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Do we mention the final? Do we dare go down that road with a 15-minute podcast? I think uh, (laughs) we don't specifically mention the final. Well, well, for people who don't know, basically someone dialed in the wrong manoeuvre and flew two of the ships off the board and it ended very quickly. But the interesting thing about the final, really, is the lists that were in it. Yeah. So he had Caelan Wong, who had three bandit squadrons, a partisan renegade U-wing with Leia and TAC officer, blue squadron pilot with jamming beam and tractor beam and a blue squadron escort six rebel generics just good old-fashioned rebel efficiency peter rose's list was uh zeb with layer on board two blue squadron uh, x-wings and two blue squadron b-wings it wasn't two lists i was expecting in the final i do really like the idea of the the tractor on the b-wing being used to make the zeds uh, z95s way more efficient i think that's that is very very cool and I can imagine that, that you could run through a tournament and, and encounter a lot of players who didn't actually twig how the tractor beam from the B-Wing was making the Z95s that much better. All of a sudden, three effectively two reds against one green dice generally with the, the Zs or, or maybe even better than that. All of a sudden, they're, they're really hitty. Yeah, I think as well, the bandits are there just to get in the way, occupy space, deny your actions. Chat. Um, yeah. But like they're there to, to roll dice as well, obviously. Obviously, yeah. a big standout thing from both lists, they both have Leia. Leia at two points is such good value. Yeah. I think you're hard pushed to find a, a Rebel list nowadays without Leia. Yeah. she's. I mean, every third turn, your Reds aren't Reds. Who doesn't yeah. like that? Yeah. I mean, it was nice to see Poe as well in the top, top 16 lists again. You know, Poe being up there is... 
where Poe should be, really. Yeah, so that's what I was going to focus in on, just because... So there's in fifth place from the Swiss was Kelvin Lau, who had Lula with heroic Poe with heroic R4, S-Foils Black One and Proton Torps, a Blue Squadron recruit with heroic and Tally with heroic, and that's very, very similar to what I've been running. And I... Yeah, I think that's a good list. So no surprise to see it up there. It's the kind of thing that I'm not seeing around too much in the UK, but it's definitely a, a solid list. I think Lulo is becoming a standout A-wing pilot across people's yeah. choices. Yeah, I mean, even to the point where she's becoming a dominant pilot in the resistance faction. Yeah. I saw a few resistance lists last weekend. Everybody flying resistance was running Lulo, pretty much yeah. for that exception. I think for just, 38 points. Just, yeah. yeah. Absolute gold. Another thing to focus in on a resistance list was just massive bid of the tournament. So yeah, looking at rank four in the Swiss is Nathaniel May, and he's running Tally Lulo and a mega mega expensive Poe with a yeah. sixteen point bid. Wow. Yeah, I think that's this is an example of why I tend to not build lists with big bids because there's always going to be someone who goes lower. Well, I think when we when we have a have a show about rules for list building i think there is a real issue with with putting points in for a bid that because there's every prospect you don't need a bid and those are points that aren't doing anything else in potentially quite a few games through a tournament potentially all the games in a tournament and that makes me very nervous from a list building point of view i think mm-hmm. i've i've always flown lists and always focus this round not needing a bid essentially it'd be nice to have but i don't have to get it you know it's not and that's the way i like to do it because otherwise I'm, I'm like downscaling as much as possible and to even then potentially still not get the bid it's a bit wounded yeah okay so one last point just on system open we've seen a lot of rebel efficiency there but i've just on list fortress done a search for hell runner and there were no pilots flying Hellrunner in that tournament. Does that not seem surprising to you, that if Rebel Efficiency can do well, that what we thought was the touchstone of efficiency in the game, the TIE Swarm, was nowhere to be seen? Do you think that's... No, I don't know I th- why that would be. I think it's more prevalent in hyperspace than it is within Extended. But why? I don't see a reason why, if these type of lists that we're looking at are doing well, that the TIE Swarm wouldn't be doing well. Well, it's not going to do well if people choose not to take it. And, well, and there are reasons other than, than winning and losing why people wouldn't take it. I mean, it, a lot of people think that Flying Swarms is not a great deal of fun. Well, Almost all your games are going to go to time. That's not necessarily fun. Most people like to get the game finished, go and have a drink, go and have a chat with their mates. Yeah, that's not an unreasonable way to want to spend your day. But if you're flying Thai Swarm, that's difficult to do. I still think it's surprising that there's none. But, but it's anyway, also predictability because the, there is the the theory that by flying a tie swarm, all you're doing is flying one massive ship that is a real pain to manoeuvre around the board. But I think that's true if you're a bad swarm player. I don't think good swarm players treat it as one massive ship, really. There's a lot more nuance, nuance to it than that if you want to get your blocks and want to cover arcs and stuff. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should ask Andrew Patterson to see if he wants to come on the show and see what he thinks. Maybe. <laughs> Okay, that's enough chat for the Toronto System Open. It definitely threw up some interesting and unexpected results to us, at least. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the extended meta continues throughout the season and if this ends up being, you know, the benchmark or an outlier or or what. So now what we're going to do is talk about 
the preview for the Sith Infiltrator that just dropped. We're not going to go through the whole article because, you know, everyone can go and read it themselves, but we're each going to pick one card that's been revealed and talk about why we think it's good or interesting. So, Will, what card would you like to talk about? I would like to talk about probe droids. Uh, DRK slash one probe droids. I'll read out the card. So during the end phase, you may spend one charge to drop or launch one DRK, one probe droid using a speed three template. It's got two charges on it and this charge cannot be recovered. They look interesting. I mean, to add to that, the probe droid itself, it's while a friendly ship locks an object or jams an enemy ship, it may measure range from you. So from the probe droid itself. After an enemy ship overlaps you, which is the probe droid, that ship rolls one attack dice. On an eyeball result, you suffer one damage. During the system phase, at its initiative, which is zero, it may relocate using a two-bank or a two-forward template. What's not to like about it? You know, it, you can if you range control well, you can use it to get target locks on other ships that you wouldn't necessarily maybe have range to. It will give you potentially a double modded torp if you use it if not you're jamming ships from further away before you've even moved you know so it's a potentially really good asset i think yeah i think from a little bit of play with biohexacrypt codes the first order card jamming at longer ranges than one is very strong obviously this is limited because you have to be in its path and at range one but it's definitely something that shouldn't be sniffed at i think I'm yeah, very interested cool. to see if there's any further rules for things that happen if you overlap it. Like if you overlap it, say an enemy ship overlaps it and doesn't roll an eyeball result, does it suffer any negative consequences? I don't see yeah. why they would be necessarily. It, I mean, it all relates to how much it's going to cost and all that sort of stuff. But I don't see why there, there would necessarily be any any negative consequences. The negative consequences, if you're flying over it, then you're liable to get yourself target locked. That's yeah. a fairly negative consequence. Fair. And, but if, if yeah. they do have some kind of effect, I think that would be an added strength. But we'll have yeah. to wait and see. Yeah. Well, I was looking at Grievous, and he seems pretty themey. His card is when you're defending after the neutralized result step, if there's two or more hits or crits, you can spend his single charge to cancel one hit or crit. So he's saving a crit result potentially or a hit. And he recovers his charge after a friendly ship is destroyed. It's nice and themey. It's the sort of thing that you can see Grievous doing. If there's a lot of incoming fire, he gets rid of one of the one bit of that incoming fire. In terms of, of game design, he's almost like a, a hull upgrade, shield upgrade, optional reinforce sort of thing. And one of those cards, I think, that's really difficult to point because he's taken up a crew slot, which is valuable. He's probably better than a hull upgrade at normally three points, but not as good as a shield upgrade at normally four points. And he's got a bit more flexibility, maybe making five points. You know, it. how do you point a card like that where the effect is so directly comparable to something like shield and hull upgrade? So I'd be very interested to see where he comes in on, on the point scale. Yeah, but I think he might be a little bit cheap just because he dictates kind of what your rest of your list has to be. Because, you know, you get your charge back when a ship is destroyed. It means, you know, at least in theory, that you want a bunch of other ships with you, like a just vulture droids ready to die. 
So because yeah. he kind of controls your list building, he might well be uh, a little bit cheaper. Don't know. What card have you been looking at, Cole? So I've been looking at Count Dooku Crew. Ooh. So he's one crew slot, and I'll just read the text. He gives you a, a force point, a regenerating force point. Before a ship at range, not to two rolls attack or defense dice. If all of your force are active, you may spend one force and name a result. If the roll does not contain the named result, the ship must change one die to that result. So basically, say a ship at range not to two attacks you, you can spend a force to say blank, and if it rolls three hits, it has to turn one of those hits to a blank. If one of your ships is attacking, you can say Chris, and it rolls hit in a blank, you can turn that blank to a Chris. He's very, very similar to old Palpatine. Yeah. And I think we know how good that was. Very, very good. So Count Dooku has to be given some respect initially, I think. Yeah, I'm just super excited about the whole Sis faction. Now they've released Infiltrator. It looks like there's some really interesting mechanics across the board. You know, the, with the, the funky cloaks that you can do with it, that you start cloaked, and when you uncloak, if there's something in, you, in your art, you're dropping a token on it, and all that sort of stuff. There's some, some really exciting new types of mechanics. It does look like an interesting faction. It's certainly one that I'm definitely looking at. I'm almost sat on the fence. I mean, seeing that Chancellor Palpatine Darth Sidious card come out, I was like, ooh, this is looking exciting. I might be buying into two factions this time. Although my missus is sat next to me while I'm doing this podcast. uh, Oh, tactical error. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I was definitely all in on uh, Republic stuff, but now this has definitely turned my head a little bit. I think it looks, at the very least, very fun. Potentially quite good as well. Okay, so that is the end of this episode. So it's going to be goodbye from Will. Goodbye. Goodbye from Bob. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Thanks for listening, everybody. Times have changed. Our kids are getting worse. They won't obey their parents. They just want to fart and curse. Should we blame the government or blame society? Or should we blame the images on TV? No, blame that at all.